See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It, it, it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast. So what a cool episode to be releasing October 2023. It is the spirit of this season. We get into some witchery, <laughs> some of those things. Today's guest was absolutely amazing, Jules. So uh, we're going to get into the episode. But before I do that, I will just share with you, you know, I um, usually put the sponsors here at the very beginning. I know that whether it's a TV show, a boxing match, I guess uh, other podcast, uh, you know, sometimes you'll be listening to something and get surprised by a commercial or ad. I don't want to do that. I want to want you to be listening to something and then boom, you get surprised by an ad and it kind of throws you off. So I just put them right here at the beginning. And I, I will say, obviously you can fast forward. Um, if this is your first time listening, what I have found is that people actually kind of enjoy these things. So I always do my best to make them fun, uh, you know, more informational, educational. They're actually people or things or places or whatever the sponsors for the episode are, are things that I enjoy in life. So I try to pass that to you as something to uh, also enjoy. So, hey, our first sponsor actually tied into today's guest would be Essential Medicine in La Jolla, California, Essential Medicine. So the world is wild when it comes to health right now. And the U.S. arguably is one of the countries having, you know, the, if not the most challenges with health and wellness, to having a, a solid healthcare system, to having healthcare professionals that can be trusted and, and care. It's a, a big topic of discussion. In fact, we talk about that a little bit on today's episode as well. But Essential Medicine in La Jolla is run by some supremely great people. They have a variety of different modalities, things to just help people you know, help people help themselves in terms of health, wellness, feeling good, thinking good, being emotionally good. Uh, one of my favorite things there uh, is the hyperbaric chamber. If you've never tried one of those, oh my gosh, it's amazing. So we talk about that on today's episode too, but that's Essential Medicine in La Jolla, California. This episode is also brought to you by Next Coffee. Next in XXT, next coffee. It's it's coffee. It's good coffee. It's holy smokes. I can't believe how much of my life I actually spend talking about coffee right now because people don't realize there are levels to the coffee world. Some people that don't like coffee actually may not even know because the only thing that they were offered or have been offered has been pretty bad coffee. Most coffee companies or places where you go to get coffee, what they do is they have these dark roasts. And the reason they have these dark roasts is because the quality of the coffee bean they're getting is either old it's or it's not ripe. It was picked too early, too late. Uh, it's just not quality coffee beans. So they have to roast them or over roast them to get rid of the flavor to just make it more of a something that people recognize or are familiar with. And let's add a bunch of cream and sugar to it because it doesn't taste that good. Um, but that's because it's not great coffee. Next coffee is really, really good. The amount of people that I've heard say, I didn't know coffee could taste as good before adding anything to it is pretty phenomenal. So next coffee, you can find them at shopnext.com. That's S-H-O-P-N-X-X-T. 
shopnext.com. S-H-O-P-N-X-X-T. You can also find them on Instagram uh, at Next Coffee. So at N-X-X-T Coffee on Instagram. They post uh, you know, content pretty regularly, things like that. It's just, it's super amazing coffee. In fact, my nephew, gosh, a couple days ago, said, Uncle Derek, I've been trying to make coffee like you do. And I grind the beans. Only takes a couple of minutes once you learn how to do it. And then do a pour over to make an individual cup, unless I'm making it for more people, like a French press or something. But he started doing this, grinding the beans and doing the pour over. And he's like, it is crazy how much better that tastes. It is super true. So there are levels to the coffee game. Check out Next Coffee. Uh, Also, personal plug, I had been working on this for a while. It is out. It has been released. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for all of the feedback and for uh, supporting, you know, the projects that I work on. And really, you know, it's not about me. I, I made this to help other people. But the Level Up Life Journal, the Journal for a Great Life, is on Amazon. The uh, The phrase Level Up has become increasingly popular in the last couple of years. So when I originally had the idea for this, uh, it had a few different names. This is the name that stuck. Uh, so the easiest way to find it right now is it is continuing to rank up on Amazon as more people discover it. It will be, heck, if you type it in right now, it actually might be the first thing that pops up. If you type in level up journal, maybe it is the first one. Um, but there's also a chance that it's not. So an easy way to find it would be to go on my Instagram at human Derek, and you'll find a link to the journal in the bio. There's a few other things there too, but the level up journal is out. People are loving it. Thank you everybody for the uh, social media shares. And uh, what is it? Well, it's really to just help us level up in life. Uh, one of these things I've discovered over time is that, you know, our our life can be like a garden in a sense of, you know, there's certain weeds you need to pluck. There's certain ways to tend to the rose garden or the rose plant that might be a little bit different, you know, to this other plant, this lavender plant. And the journal is really more of a you almost might call it a workbook. I don't want people to think they have to work too hard to use it because all you got to do is sit down in front of the thing, spend five to 10 minutes going through what's in there. It has prompts. You don't need to think about writing a novel, although there is extra space on the pages that if you would like to write more, there's plenty of room for that. And it really is a workbook to help level up in life. Um, sometimes we get unbalanced. This world of uh, word of balance is very fascinating. I'm not a huge fan of it because I think sometimes people limit their dreams, their hopes, things like that by going, oh, I have to do this or this. But what this does is help work in all of the areas of life that help us optimize uh, really our performance. So that's the next level journal available on Amazon, excuse me, the level up journal to take you to the next level. And then our last sponsor for today is Boulevard Fitness. So they're located in San Diego on El Cajon Boulevard over in the North Park area. It has that classic, cool gym feeling. Uh, There are amazing trainers there. One of them, actually, Sarah Moore, has been on the podcast. Uh, The gym is just great. It's run by this guy named Sean. Super great guy. I've got to sit down and and talk with him. In fact, would love. I think we're going to make it possible, have him on on the podcast soon. But that gym is just so cool. You can go in there. There's upstairs, downstairs. There's outside. Uh, there's weights, it's a gym, but they've got all of the things that you need to just get a really good workout in and they make it really, really accessible to everyone. So it's Boulevard Fitness, El Cajon Boulevard 
if you want to work out or get in shape, whether you're brand new to fitness or you've been doing it your whole life, that's the place to be. And let's jump into our episode. Talk away. Thank, I'm so grateful for this ritual cup you've let me take over your kitchen and make. I think I'm good, in good the, posture. In the like, cone of sound. The cone of sounds. Better than the cone of silence. What's the, <laughs> what's the cone of silence from? I don't know. I actually think it was just this guy I knew that, you know, when dogs get a medical procedure and have to wear the cone? <laughs> but also there's like a movie somewhere. This is my keyboard earlier and i'm like why is my keyboard not working and one of them i'm like nehemiah and uh he comes in he's like uncle derek you can't just expect to turn it on for it to work i'm like actually i've been using it for four years and i just turn it on and it works usually so i i can't expect that what is going on? i'm only getting one super weird all right i'm good okay <laughs> uh yes so shapeshifter oh, we got our our daily sirens in here too yes Oh, funny. I'm a, I'm a real-life siren. Tell me more. <laughs> are we recording? Oh, are we, <clears throat> yeah. Are, are, we, are we on the thing? We'll, or just, are we? we'll go, yeah. We'll okay. just roll with it and we'll edit off the front end or something. Maybe we'll just leave it there for comedic effect. Okay. So uh, you're looking at a witchcraft book there. I am. You're this in. beautiful witchcraft book that you have presented. I'm Do. very taken by yeah, there's a lot of uh, just history that people don't acknowledge or forgot about, or maybe that organized religion tried to delete, mm-hmm. you know, or you're like the witch trials and all those things, but it wasn't all bad. No, it wasn't. Witchcraft got a bad rap, so it could be attempted to be eliminated. But magic, you know, there's white magic, there's black magic, it's good, evil, and... For the most part, or at least in my own lineage and understanding, like witchcraft is for the good. It's all about connecting to the earth, the herbs and medicines that grow straight from it, and harnessing, utilizing energy the through spells, through rituals through intentional time, an altar, through connection with elements, especially like candles and flames. That's what witchcraft's all about. But because of, you know, and many many women are practitioners of it, and that has scared a lot of <laughs> men over time when women can harness that kind of power to create lives of their dreams, to create medicine, healing for the people, and... Yeah, so they often have been placed under siege and, you know, you know, the witch trials burned at the stake, literally tried to burn that magic out of this world, demonize it, make it this terrible thing that it's not to disconnect the people it's trying to help from a really natural and uh, a natural source of, of medicine, really. They're the medicine people of ancient times and, and current times, those that continue to carry the craft because you can burn a witch at stake, but souls are pretty immortal and come back remembering our crafts and <laughs> how to continue carrying medicine into the modern world where and medicine, that's a whole other topic, <laughs> the modern world, you know, East and the West and 
what the idea of medicine has become far removed from the natural sources that witchcraft tried to utilize really genuinely help people facilitate their deep healing when people <clears throat> whoa okay <laughs> talking uh people use the word like affirmations now right like they give themselves their morning affirmations my i feel like i've, I've read across so many different topics and when you think of witchcraft that's another word for a spell like you said the word spell and there's a lot in the old you know textbooks witchcraft things like that spells are another word for affirmations you can cast good spells on yourself you know to start your day um that's essentially what some people are doing just language right it's yeah words words word. are power they're spells affirmations however you want to phrase it that's mm -hmm. A weaving of your reality, what you choose to do with words, both in your mind and projected inward, as well as what you do with your words verbalized outward into the world toward others. And those start to weave the actual realities, start to guide your behaviors and tune your frequency and the ways other people react, the people that'll come into your lives and react to you and use their words and spells toward <laughs> or against you. It, it words are weavers of of destiny, really the original spells and harnessers of energy. <laughs> I really believe uh most maybe I shouldn't say most, much of the conflict we have in the world, whether it's relationships or between groups of people come down to usually like two primary things. One is either there's a communication breakdown. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so when you genuinely have someone that is trying to work with someone and maybe doesn't uh, have any desire to fight against them, but is trying to explain their idea or their, you know, plan that if there's conflict, a lot of times it's a communication breakdown because most people do want good outcomes but then you have the second thing where you have people that maybe do have a, a darker agenda or control or whatever it is they're seeking. Uh, and so when you have someone that does that seeking power or control, and then you have a conflict of miscommunication or someone calls something a spell, the other person calls something an affirmation, it's easy for those people that seek power to go, look, they're different. They they don't use the same words as us is basically what they're saying, or they think differently, even though it could be very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so they can use that as a tool too. Yeah. Of the same essence, but because it's not in alignment with what they're trying to do with their words or how they're trying to capture people's minds or attention, they want to use their words to, um, like I said, demonize or, or, you know, create a fear around the way this other person is using words like oh, the spell, this, this, which, however you want to put it, is not in alignment with what they're trying to do, how they're trying to seize power and all that. So they make it bad and they make people fear it and want to punish it and eliminate it. And yeah, so witchcraft, what a, what a journey <laughs> it's the world is, is taken and people being made to fear it, it just cause they don't understand it. And just cause those who do understand it and understand how empowering it can be 
to just be in tune with the power of your words and natural elements that are, are free and accessible to help heal yourself. There's people that want to make money and have control. It doesn't, it doesn't line up with, with their desires and drives, right? So they want to separate people from that. Yeah. seems like kind of a silly reference, but it, it makes sense. It's like Harry Potter, you know, you talked about good and, and dark magic. I mean, there's all these movies, stories, whatever the hero's journey, things that we look at and they, they essentially have this good and bad. And so you will, in my understanding, you know, have both of those sides to every topic or any tool that you, that you look at. You, you mentioned lineage earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I've, something I spent more time on last year and I found this group of people, it's like pre-Celtic, you go back and they're called the Picts, P-I-C-T-S. But I started digging into my last name and tracing these things. And then you, you know, if you don't, you don't have to go that far back to even a, a few hundred years, uh, some a little bit more in certain areas. And you find that, you know, Druids were sort of a normal, like we think of them as a mythical character in a movie, but that was an actual role that someone played it's, in a tribe. Yeah, it's, it's mythical now because we've become more far removed from it, but mm. it, that was common role in in those cultures and the societies that those people holding the torch of that kind of magic and and healing and wisdom for their local communities and so yeah so your last name lacrone right that's that's your lineage yeah they they i thought it was a, i was told it was a fake name i had to do some dancing around to find it because my family's all over in terms of who thinks what and just changing stories but i did dig and then they, they used to spell it a little bit different. But yeah, that when you go back and you look at how it was spelled and where it was, it's pretty interesting. Cool. Yeah, my last name is Candelaria. Uh, it's Spanish. I'm half Spanish, half Filipina. But I feel very connected to my own last name. I actually feel more connected to my Filipina lineage, but as far as my, than the Spanish side. As far as just understanding culturally, I've, I've been going to the Philippines since I was two years old and very close with my mother. Um, I've never actually been to, to Spain and so not as connected with the roots of that lineage, but my last name, um, Candelaria, means it's candelabra in translation, like mm. the holder, beautiful, ornate holders of candles, the flame of the light. And wow. so I really feel really connected to to that name, carry that the lineage and the meaning of that name in in what I do beyond just just the witchcraft and how I work with fire element and, and candles on the altar and in that sense, but also uh, as a fire performer and a, <laughs> a carrier of of light and the element and very dangerous, but soul moving way. So, yeah, we. I feel like we've gotten away from understanding in some ways, at least in American culture, the power of a name or what happens when you name this, you know, human that you created here. Like mm -hmm. there used to be a lot more to that than, oh, this sounds cute. <laughs> like a lot of sacred intention of what yeah. the name, the energy, again, words, spells, right? Mm -hmm. You're starting to weave the energy that this being is going to grow into. And so I'm very connected to my last name, but I'm not connected to my my first name, my birth name. It's Julia, but no one knows me as that. I go by Jules. I chose that. 
name a long, long time ago, and even my parents and all people acknowledge me as that now. And that, again, I feel a lot more connected to that because it, it symbolizes a lot of things. Jewel, like I'm very connected to crystals. Caves are my favorite earthscape. I've traveled the world spelunking, wild caving, connecting to the crystalline cores of the earth. So I feel very attached to, to jewels and, and crystals and the wisdom and the energy they hold. They're definitely part of the craft and harnessing energy and respect for the earth and her, her elements. And so yeah, I chose, chose that as the name. To carry, and you you spell it with two O's. I was do. There, a... <laughs> there was it actually. It has nothing to do with crystals and jewels of that. So that came from a, a childhood book. Uh, I like just as a funny feminine kind of grown up story. Uh, girl coming of age stuff. There was a character in that book. Who her name was Jules, spelled that way, J O O L S, that I mm. resonated with, and so when I and I came of age as a young teenager, I chose that nickname and that spelling. But yeah, as I grew older and connected a lot more to crystals and, and magic, all these other kinds of things, the the meaning of why I had chosen it kind of transmuted, but I didn't change the spelling <laughs> from how I had originally chosen. What was the book? <laughs> I don't know if you were dancing around that or trying to like. It's uh, <laughs> Angus thongs and full frontal snocking. Angus the Huns and Angus thongs and full frontal snocking. Snocking, okay. Snogging, snogging. It's just a what? Yeah, just, <laughs> don't worry about it. Not, okay, not that relevant anymore to my path, but that's just it was a character. Might and, be adding that. that to the. <laughs> I don't know if you want to. Yeah. But. That's pretty cool. And you mentioned a uh, fire performer. Why don't you uh, share a little bit about who, like, who I am, yeah. what I do, who are <laughs> you? What do you do? besides yeah. <laughs> um, kind of modern witch. Yeah. So I'm in full title, Dr. Jules Candelaria. I'm a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. I am a professional performing artist of kind of the Cirque realm. So a fire dancer and breather and a so real life dragon <laughs> and a it was an aerialist for many years uh performing on a lira a steel hoop that hangs from the sky contorting and dancing and spinning within that and then uh, about a year and a half ago i had a pretty gnarly accident fall that changed my world um fell from my hoop took a 10 foot face dive into some gritty concrete and landed like a scorpion like this that's what this kind of crescent moon shaped scar at the corner of my forehead is that's where i landed but in full neck extension like feet coming over and dangling toward my head but because i had previous contortion training it actually saved my life i was able to land in that position and not even have any neck pain really just a lot of just a lot of my forehead gashed out and a lot of hemorrhaging and <laughs> stitches required but it shifted my focus back to contortion something I had dipped my toes in and and away from aerial so I really haven't been back to that but I've taken on hardcore and intensive training to my new performance art dreams of being a flaming foot archer flaming foot archer yep so real life upside down cupid and I 
have three coaches for that hand balance coach for all the upside down handstand strength and a contortion coach for all the spinal flexibility and upside down bow manipulation and then actual archery coach for all the understanding of sighting and aim and so i've made a lot of progress in just a year and a half but i still have a long way to go but that's kind of my i guess those are my focuses in my performance arts career and that's not like some skill progression you know if i want to go learn how to do some push-ups like i can advance <laughs> i can advance that pretty fast yeah you know get down do some push-ups every day cool look what i can do after a month mm-hmm. your skill progression i mean that seems pretty complex it's super complex i mean any one of those movement art forms is already can be a lifelong journey to gain any kind of mastery of hand balancing and contortion and then archery so i th- think that's why I like I like a good challenge. I like an intensive challenge. So I know it's going to be a long journey, but it's one that will keep me very engaged and focused for a long time because I'm taking three things that take so much dedicated energy and not having to fuse the the mastery and understanding of them into one one art form. And then I guess of course when I get the actual skill down to do that safely then comes in the the safety of fire that i've already yeah, now lighting the tip of the arrow on fire and adding that other element to it but luckily i feel very very safe and protected with fire for which quite a deep relationship that element before you've ever took to the stage with it fire can be fun mm-hmm. sometimes you can't play with the fire yeah and but you got to be ready to get burned and learn the lessons and respect it and yeah a very deep uh love for and respect for fire uh when people dive into this you know what are i mean it's not like there's ten thousand people meeting in a festival that are all (laughs) (laughs) yeah where it's a small small community for sure it's a very intensive skill set that takes a certain type of being to even want to pursue and then to start to feel the training and skills in their body and how intense it is to then want to actually continue (laughs) and carry through. And then what do you, uh, you know, is it, is it one of those things where it really is all about the journey or is there a, a stage that you land on when you can combine these three skills and go, okay, you know, here's a, competition or here's a uh, an event yeah so for it's definitely about the journey for me that's why i'm in it and i know i'll get to the destination but i'm in no rush i have no deadline or time frame when my body's ready it'll take me there and i'm just having a lot of fun enjoying learning all these skills and training with my amazing coaches and um Another thing about the journey is movement is such a therapy to me, one of my most potent medicines. So as a doctor of acupuncture, I hold space for a lot of really, really deep healing, especially because my niche is womb wellness and really deep women's work. And so to hold all that space, you take on a lot of energy, some really heavy, heavy energy that you're helping people facilitate and release from their body connected to my own energy and work with the needles and that's not energy I want to hold within myself you know I need to release it too so movement is a great therapy a great channel 
for the release of that out of my own body. And that's why I think I've had to choose such intense forms of movement therapy because of the intense forms of energy I take on. Um, so that's why this particular intensive <laughs> fusion of movement therapy and arts and training. But yeah, really enjoying the journey, how much chi it moves through and out of me. Such a release, such a catharsis, such a joy. Um, but as far as kind of where that's headed, yes, you reach a point when, for me, that point will be when I can do this skill. I'm getting pretty good. I'm on my four, I'm on my forearms, very forearm stand. I left the cinnamon roll in the oven. Oh. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> if you don't want to burn the Hold house that down. That was our first official cinnamon roll break ever on the podcast. So Stop the house from burning down. Yeah. That was good. So you were talking about uh, two-handed. You could... Yes. Yeah, so where I'm at with the, the foot archery, I am pretty solid on my forearms and forearm mm-hmm. stand with the bow in my feet, toes on the bow, and I can get it into the position, pull the string. Shoot. So now I'm at the level where I'm going to start actually loading air up, like going out into nature, setting up a target and loading arrows into it and working with that in forearm stand. But then the next layers are to get strong and more solid to be able to do it on my hands, hand balancing and do that. And then the next level to do that on canes, you know, those, um, you know, canes are, Hmm. it's like metal poles coming out of a solid wood block on the ground and then you, there's wooden blocks on top of those poles and then you hand balance on top of that huh. so that you can be at like an elevated height to do the hand balancing with the with the bow so there's still many layers yeah to go and then of course once i actually am able to load the arrows and, and shoot them then comes the aiming and the actual archery aim skill part but once i have mastered that level of that um there will be, I'm not really into it for the competition of it, more the art. So I'll be looking more for private gigs kind of all over the world. I love to travel. So I want to utilize it as a tool to get paid to travel the world and share this art and inspire at large kind of events, celebrations, festivals, parties, like all the kinds of things that people hire high level performers for and just get to share and inspire. I just had an image of you in like an Aladdin style palace doing a show for like King, you know, <laughs> Abu. Or, <laughs> that was the monkey's name, huh? Yeah, in the movie. But uh, that would be a dream. That's pretty cool. And I could, I mean, that would be when you say private gig, it would be, you know, probably pretty uh, extravagant, pretty neat. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah my coach, uh, her name's Jordan Remar, one of my three coaches, all amazing. You guys out there are looking for. The best movement coaches. I recommend them. John Lee Beck for hand balancing. Jordan Remar for contortion. Christina Sermons for archery. But um, particularly Jordan Remar, she's kind of my performance idol. And so the way she has her life set up, the kind of gigs she does, these really high caliber performance arts events, again, festivals, private gigs, all that is my inspiration, the kind of stuff I want to do. I'll actually be going on a traincation with her in Nicaragua in January to get some more intensive training and meet um, the connections that she forms and and travels with. Do do you remember when you first discovered that this existed? 
I don't remember when I first discovered it. I just remember when I had my aerial accident a year and a half ago, it was already something on my radar. Not for too long, because I'm kind of a person that when I discover things, I move toward them quickly. So probably only like two years ago, I discovered this was a thing. And then I had my accident and it just pivoted me away from aerial and because of the symbol of my previous contortion training saving my life it, when I landed in that mm. position, it's like that is the direction I need to shift back to. It's the sign from the universe of what I should be doing with my body. And yeah, two weeks after that accident, I was started up with uh, my hand balance coach and committed to this journey. And speaking of that quick Time healing trajectory, that was all really possible because of the hyperbaric oxygen mm. chambers that you're very familiar with. Is why we're connected <laughs> and know each other at my amazing clinic, Essential Medicine in La Jolla. But yeah, because of the amazing hyperbaric oxygen chambers we have that I was able to get in and into therapy with the day I got out of the hospital from my accident, I was healed so, so, so quickly. Such a biohack. Um, from from that uh, concussion, from that traumatic brain injury. And again, not my first one, it's like my sixth or seventh, but probably definitely my most intensive one. And yeah, so I just really speak to the power of that. I speak to many medicines, you know, as an acupuncturist and you know, which works with herbs. I also work with a lot of sound, vocal activation, sound healing through throat chakra and singing. But yeah, this the hyperbaric oxygen chamber is another powerful medicine I speak to because of how it really helped me heal so quickly. Did not get any of the usual sequelae of concussion symptoms that come after that one, uh, and came into came into more mental acuity than than ever. I feel like it really backhealed what was going on in my brain from even the previous concussions. I was back to treating patients like two days later, and then continued on a. Of course, my face still looked really crazy from the accident. Everyone thought I got into a fight or something. Um, but yeah, the fact that it gave me my mind back and stronger than ever before and then very quickly healed the physical wounds on my face. I took pictures after every session and you just see how incredible and quick that kind of hyperoxygenation can heal the physical body too. I I love that thing. Can you Can you explain... What exactly is going on when you jump in there? Just yeah, like biologically. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So the hyperbaric oxygen chamber, we have a heart chamber that takes you to a medical grade, one of the strongest in, in the area, that takes you to two atmospheres of pressure. So this is the equivalent of like deep sea diving to almost 40 feet underwater. And then it holds you at that pressure and then you put on a rebreather mask where you breathe in essentially 100% pure oxygen, which is a higher, you know, purity of oxygen than is natural in your own blood. And the way it allows you to hyper oxygenate all your tissues is that you are limited by the amount of oxygen that can be carried through your circulation by the hemoglobin attached to your red blood cells that limits the oxygen carrying up sorry, oxygen carrying capacity. But under this pressure and breathing this pure oxygen, you're able to kind of bypass that limiting mechanism and that excess oxygen is able to dissolve directly into your blood plasma and again, bypass the carrying capacity of the hemoglobin. And then under that kind of pressure, it pushes that 
hyperoxygenation further into places in your body, your own circulation usually is too deficient to carry it. So for all the things with the brain specifically, it can push that hyperoxygenation into the folds of, of your brain. That's why it's really amazing for any kind of traumatic brain injury. It's been studied a lot with, with veterans, you know, some of the most intensive TBIs um, for concussions. So especially athletes that are getting consistent <laughs> concussions can hyperoxygenate the the brain and it's even used as preventative and curative medicine for things like dementia alzheimer's all all the neurological things um but because of the other ways and, and your body has a wisdom so when you it's delivered that kind of hyperoxygenation depending on what's going on in your body it's going to decide where that flows to where that travels so people that have any kind of long-standing wounds that other therapies have not really been able to help heal that carry that hyperoxygenation to those tissues can really help long-standing wounds that haven't made a lot of progress. People use it for post-operation, like surgical operations, to have a quick and useful recovery. It will guide that hyperoxygenation to those tissues or peripheral things, especially like with the hands and feet, these further away places that if people have deficient circulation, that oxygen in your blood is not getting, will carry it to those tissues. We have people that have had a lot of nerve things going on in their hands and feet from neuropathies, pains, all kinds of nerve sensation. And one session later, they like have sensation returning to their hands, have pain easing. And um, a lot of high-level athletes will use it for, for performance recovery to optimize their, their training, you know. And what else? I mean, so many, so many things it can do. A, a lot of autoimmune cases that can make big big progress, big strides in pretty quickly. So it's really an amazing holistic biohacking chamber. And it looks like a space pod. It just looks really fun. People come in the clinic often for acupuncture or the other things we do and they walk past and they're just like, what is that thing? And everyone feels like they're getting ready to go to space, which I feel like is ironic. It looks like a space pod, which would take you up high, but it's taking you actually down below deep sea pressure. It's, it's a really cool chamber. And like I said, that's that's why we know each other. You coming into the clinic and utilizing it. So I'm curious how. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember first reading about it with uh, NFL athletes like years and years ago. I mean, this must have been feels like a decade ago. You know, could have been, but uh, about a guy that would had a, a portable one or something that he would travel around with. And I think I asked you about this, but the portable ones are okay, but they don't. You know, they're not as uh, intense or as strong as like the one you have, the medical grid. Mm-hmm. And the soft chambers. <clears throat> yeah. They just, yeah. they can't take you to as many atmospheres of pressure. And with the, the atmospheres of pressure, it's more like an exponential curve than a linear one as far mm-hmm. as how much more powerful the therapy gets every wow. kilopascal of pressure you're, or point, whatever atmosphere of pressure you're increasing, that therapy okay. gets a lot stronger at a more exponential rate. Yeah, I mean, you would like you would like sleep in it, but the one you know that you have, you're not you, really sleeping you, yeah, overnight. Yeah, you can't, in it. can't yeah. be in it for that long. That would be too much because mm-hmm. of how powerful it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I even being in it, you made me think about like my organs and stuff. Like I could feel like my organs were getting cleaned out or something. Just the the pressure coming out. I don't know, it felt really good. Good. <clears throat> but I think of uh, combat athletes. You know, you mentioned concussions, and traditionally. Combat sports, are they're way more popular now than they were five years ago, ten years ago. But if you look at the history of boxing, for example, it's a sport that didn't advance a lot in terms of technology, you know, concussion protocol or safety equipment. It was like, here's what we have, and we just kind of use it. There wasn't much innovation happening. 
Uh, you know, it's still, if you go to like a, a boxing strength and conditioning class, depending on where you're at, but it's very common. They're like, let's do sit-ups with a medicine ball. And then some of those things are still very valuable, but not using, you know, advanced fitness equipment or new, the new science of like increasing your movement speed. And, uh, in the mixed martial arts world, you know, there's a thing, the UFC performance Institute, the, the really top athletes in the UFC will go and train there and they have all their helping them out with their supplementation and nutrition. Um, but there's still a whole section of this combat sports world where they don't, they're not plugged into like what the latest innovative technology is and, and concussion protocol or just concussions in general are a huge area of opportunity to, to tap in. And when you started talking about this and the hyperbaric chamber and that, I just felt like, wow, you know, it seems like there's a lot more people in that world that could benefit from knowing about it. But it's also not, you know, uh, cheap in a sense of like buying your own or, or going regularly. And some of these guys don't have, you know, they're, they're coming up as a fighter, they're working a day job, so they don't have a tremendous income. So there's this whole, uh, area where it's like, uh, you know, even if they learn about it, getting more access, things like that too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely a sector of, of people, all kinds of people, either these high performance athletes or like you mentioned, um, combat combat warriors for i guess in that sense more like veterans and and people that have been through other kinds of intensive traumatic brain injury bombs mm -hmm. going off nearby yeah. causes the most intensive kind of tbi and frequency disruption in the brain and it's definitely a sector of people we want to have uh, you know get more exposure to this chamber and have in i think that has so much potential to help but yeah you're right the the chambers themselves are very expensive to to have your own and receiving therapy regularly it's not always so financially accessible but uh, the thing with the heart chambers is even to just get one session in once in a while even if you can't commit to a regular course of treatment like even a single session especially the more of that brain trauma you have is going to be very powerful so even mm -hmm. if it's just something you have to can only afford to do after like kind of a major injury or every once in a while it's still going to have sweeping sweeping benefits and Definitely something I'm in discussion with, with my own mentor and owner of the clinic, Dr. Chris Philippi, who began the hyperbaric oxygen chamber program and designed these chambers, imported them himself from uh, South Korea and is potential packages or, or offerings for people, especially with his passion place with it is the brain and the these neurological mm. conditions we can offer or even trades for, for kind of marketing and promotion of these kind of people to, to come in and get a little bit more access and exposure and treatment in the chambers in exchange for helping us get the, the word out there. And again, even if they can't have as committed frequent courses of treatment, still just to get in there and experience it and get this, this spaced out healing especially as injuries come up and major intensive things in their training and in their lives. Definitely Oops. something we're talking about and wanting to to call in and yeah, just such a holistic biohacking, deep healing, deep sea space pod. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. And you know, there's uh you talk about healing and injuries, you know, I've tried so many different things and I feel very fortunate, you know, in this knock on this giant thing here, but, uh, I've had some significant, <clears throat> some significant injuries, but I, 
I've done my best to like do all of the work to heal them without surgery or prevent them. I like your, your witch potion bottle. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Sacred water jar. It's got this cool, uh, it's like a glass bottle, green glass bottle, but the, and what's the, the symbol on the front of it? The... This is a sticker from my, my herbalist. Mm-hmm. Her name's Brittany, but her, her company is called Midgarb. And this is where I, yeah. So the sticker is a, a picture of her really. And she's sitting, she, besides making incredible wildcrafted and organic herbs that she gardens herself tinctures and liniments and all the medicines she also uh is a sews and creates this kind of clothing Mm. which is which is attire essentially so this is kind of a self-portrait of her sitting here with her her needle and thread and and scissors and the thread she weaves and this is one side and this other sticker is uh, just the trees, the Pacific Northwest of Oregon, where she's from, and the forest she goes into to ethically wildcraft some of these herbs. And so, get a picture of that before you go. So yeah, yeah, for sure. But, uh, so the the different, you know, we, in the U.S. and it's it's like this in some places, but more heavily in the U.S. You break something, you tear something, you hurt something. It's how do we cut it, take it out, you know, throw some plastic in there, I don't know, whatever is going on, right? <laughs> And uh, things like scale surgical intervention. Yeah. yeah, But you mentioned some version of the, the body is really, really intelligent and, and resilient and resilient. And, and there's different people are different places in life in terms of where their health is at. So maybe someone that, you know, tears an elbow ligament, they may not, they just maybe don't have a desire to fix it right or don't care. They're not going to do anything. But, um, so many people, I think, miss the opportunity to like learn the understanding and sit with the right people that, uh, for example, I, t- I tore my ACL in 2021, the end of 2021, I think, or end of 2020. And one of the first people I call is my, my friend, uh, Rachel. And she's a, the simplest way to put it as a chiropractor, but that doesn't, I used to call her a wizard and she said that it scared people away. So I couldn't call her a wizard anymore. She's like very Christian and, uh, but she's like a wizard because it's, She's like a cranial chiropath, but she does all these, like the the list goes on in terms of what she does. And the first person I called my tournament ASL, which most people think is kind of a weird move. Why wouldn't you call the doctor, get an MRI, things like that? And I, I did that. Um, took a couple more days, you know, a couple days longer because they were asking questions like, how did you take, tear your ACL? Everybody's on lockdown. What are you doing? You know, I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, training jujitsu. Oops. Uh, but you know, she very simply just realigned my body. Like it was a high impact uh, occurrence event that knocked it out, you know, and my, my leg was locked up and she just realigned my hips, knee, you know, ankle, got to put everything back the way it was. And she's like, yeah, the body's really smart. So we need to reset it first off to give it the proper signal to tell it how to heal. And so when I hear and look at these different things, it's like, that's just missing from so much of the normal, quote unquote, normal medical treatment people receive. Like, how do we get the body back to where, you know, it's ideal? Back in balance, back yeah. in alignment, and go from there and see if its wisdom, its resilience can regenerate, repair those tissues at a slower pace. That's the thing, though. It's a slower pace huh. of medicine, and people yeah. are really quick paced in this world, and don't, nec- a lot of people don't first of all, have the understanding that that's even possible with time and commitment, but also sometimes aren't, we're not programmed to think that's the way, right? These slower 
medicine. So we want the, a lot of people want the quick pill, the quick surgery. They think it's going to fix it all. And sometimes it does. And sometimes it creates more problems for later on because it wasn't the necessarily best way to heal. And in some cases it is indicated. So that's the thing is more of a conversation is being called into this world between like Western and Eastern or more traditional medicines. I mean, they're both necessary. I just think the scale that Western is being used at is not always so necessary. I definitely speak to its power. It's helped me heal mm-hmm. big time. I was, uh, my heart specifically is born with a heart condition known as Wolf Parkinson's white syndrome. And it just means that when, uh, I was gestating in my mom's womb, the heart is in a different shape. And during that gestation period, the heart folds over itself into the shape you're born with. And during that process, a fiber smaller than a grain of rice got dislodged in the electrical circuitry of my heart. And so at the age of nine, I started to experience the ramifications of that in that it would cause my heart to short circuit at its own free will. It didn't matter if I was working out, sitting down, whatever, that fiber would just disrupt (laughs) the electrical signaling and the, the nodes of the heart and cause it to beat up in excess of 300 beats per minute, which you could never, if you didn't have this problem, never work out hard enough to reach anywhere near that level of uh, heartbeat, heart rate. And so in those cases, you know, especially such a young girl, my body couldn't handle it. I would lose all my senses one at a time, sight, sound, whatever, until everything just kind of blurred into a white. And then when I would try to make any motion or, or effort from there, my body, I would just pass out unconscious, essentially die until my heart could reset itself, like stop and reset itself at a normal pace. And so I lived through those experiences many, many times, died more times than I could count in that kind of way uh, for seven years until uh, my my father actually saw an episode of that happen in front of his eyes because I was it just downplayed it like it was nothing mm-hmm. even though it's he did the, or you did no i did i oh, did okay. they had never like, seen oh. no no not, not my parents they never saw it happen it was always happening mm-hmm. when i was at school and i was in dance class and would freak out the people around me but i would always just try to be like not talk about how painful it was like no it's fine i just must be dehydrated or tired i didn't want to be weird or yeah you know just a strange mindset about it but Anyway, when I he actually saw it happen in front of his eyes, like seven years later, um, he's like, no, this isn't okay. I started seeing a lot of cardiologists wearing a heart monitor. They figured out what it was. And I had um, heart surgery when I was 16. They slid catheters through the major veins in my neck and thighs into my heart with little cameras, found this little grain, um, and then burned it out of my heart. So that's kind of where my, and my performance name comes from, Jules Ignited. Because that's really the spark that burning that fire out of my heart, igniting it, eliminating it, that that changed my life, that saved me from having these episodes and allowed me to live. Uh, I guess I'm not normal, but uh, a non normal's lame. <laughs> yeah, normal's lame, but this a non deadly, excruciatingly painful, dying all the time <laughs> kind of life, and be the performer and extreme movement artist that I am today. That. So I think wow. you had a question that led me to the story. I don't remember well, it, you, but it's okay. We were just talking about like Western medicine, but how? Oh yeah, because Western medicine that that surgery, yeah. the, that catheter ablation when I was sixteen that that's what saved me. And Western medicine was definitely necessary for that. Yeah. But they had given me options. You know, it was either I could be on a pill for the rest of my life to help moderate this, or I could have the surgery. 
I chose the surgery. It was the right decision for me. Um, but yeah, so that was a, a case of, of Western medicine, medicine being necessary for me to live a thriving life. But I definitely don't necessarily subscribe to a lot of the pharmaceuticals and the there are some cases again where that's necessary, but at the scale they're throwing that out as the answer for simple things that natural medicines actually can much more deeply address. Like one of my biggest things, especially as a womb worker, women's health specialist is birth control and how that is such a kind of band-aid for all women's concerns that come into Western gynecology, especially at a young age, no matter what it is. I have a bad menstrual cycle. I want the contraceptive control, I have dysregulated emotions, I have acne and hormonal skin things going on that it's pretty much the only tool in the box they give them, just birth control. Let's ex, let's um, synthetically, externally, artificially modulate your hormones and that's the answer for it all. But that actually has created a lot of problems, especially for fertility yeah. down the road, natural ability to for childbearing and created even more emotional dysregulation and even worse cycles that may seem fine or regulate for a time, but then you try to go off it or, you know, um, yeah, it just, it creates actually a lot more problems in the womb on the long term. So that's the kind of work I do working with women on their journeys, breaking up with birth control, understanding your natural rhythms of cycles being in tune with your natural bleed and that is some of the best fertility awareness contraception and fertility enhancement to just have an understanding of the four phases of your cycle and what the timing of it means when you actually there's just a short fertile window only it's a short time in the month when you actually can get pregnant that's the best fertility awareness to just understand that in your rhythms and yeah, so that's kind of the work I'm all about. And I think Western medicine does not have a good toolbox for working with young young women and and their wombs that I think Eastern and more traditional medicines, even even witchcraft and all these other things have a, a lot deeper potential. Regenerative, reproductive health, that direction I think doesn't really lie with Western medicine. It goes back to this idea of duality too, right? Like you gave a really powerful, great example of when it's helpful. And then you look at, you know, on the opposite of there's a, a bunch of places where it's not. And I think part of it does go back. You, you mentioned earlier timing too, like time, like people want a short, quick, you know, fix. And the, the learning your cycle or learning how to rehab something physically or any of those, it's, it's time intensive and Effort. Effort. Energy. And we are not a, a culture of let's put a lot of effort into things these days. It's uh, It feels like there's a, a small particular group of people that are willing to advance things and, and, you know, fight for, like, actually put in the work. And then there's a larger portion of people that uh, have been just giving up on things the last few years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's very helpful. It's very interesting. So I like people that you know, put effort, energy into helping others heal and understand and, and also kind of inspiring them to, to do the work sometimes. Right. That's, uh, that's important. So how long, so talk, talk more about, you know, you, you mentioned some of the things you do, but you now is that tied, that's tied into acupuncture. That's a, a, I mean, do you do a lot of womb work through acupuncture? There's sort of two 
Yeah, there okay. there's many layers to the mm-hmm. work I do. I'd say acupuncture is probably my most powerful and what I work with most uh, as the clinic director and senior acupuncturist at my clinic, Essential Medicine in La Jolla. That is what I'm doing, uh, I guess, primarily with my treatment time and energy. I do a lot of acupuncture sessions. And so for women that come in specifically wanting to work with the womb at any stage, I work a lot with menstrual regulation and cycle awareness, but also with fertility enhancement and the perinatal journey all the way through pregnancy and all the way up to um, labor and postpartum. And then there's kind of the later stage of, of menopause and easing that journey. It doesn't have to be such a gnarly intensive thing if you're in right relations with your womb. Um, but so primarily I'll work with acupuncture, but the women doing those kind of sessions, my sessions are always very layered. There's a lot of talking patient practitioner, rapport, trust, conversation that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. To talk things up, speak to the emotional body and what you're moving through. Then there's the actual acupuncture treatment, receiving from the needles and being able to relax and go into deep parasympathetic state and let them do their work with a womb focus. And then the last layer is usually manual therapy layered with sound and vocal activation. So again, for the womb work, for be chronic pain patients, other type of patients, manual therapy will look more like a massage, you know, a nice relaxing massage for the back and parts of the body that are aching intense. But for women, it's chine sung. It's abdominal massage, um, specifically over the lower abdomen, over over the womb, while I layer in sound, vocal activation, throat chakra work, sing, sing to their wombs, basically, okay. while they get an <laughs> abdominal massage. So that's what my primary womb treatments are like, but I do other things like pelvic steam ceremonies in the back and uh, somatic face sculpting, really advanced facial massage and intraoral buccal like jaw release yeah. massage. I've had with, like, I don't know if it's the same thing, but yeah, that man, that stuff is, mm-hmm. that feels amazing. Yeah. Like your whole nervous system resets and feels good. Yeah. And it's because people, uh, they hold tension, they hold stress, they hold emotional trauma in different places in their body. It just depends what your constitution is, where your body decides to hold it, but especially when it's related to expression, women's voices who have been stifled and not been able to speak their truths or, you know, different emotional and sexual and relational traumas that have quieted them, silenced them, and when you are a person that clenches your jaw a lot, that's indicating that's a place where you hold stress and tension. So yeah, this is advanced massage techniques and also incredible intentional topicals for the skin layer. But then you massage all the micro muscles in the face, start to relax it, and then go in at the end, like gloves on, um, fingers in, and are able to actually release the masseter muscles. Um, So it's even beyond trauma work, like TMJ, and, and clenching and these other things that cause all kinds of pain and problems around the mouth. Uh, it's a advanced massage technique to, to release that. So I, I guess that's kind of my specialty as far as manual therapy and massage. I like to massage and work on the places that are often untouched and untapped into in traditional massage work. Cause think about the places I'm talking about, like over the abdomen, the chine song, that kind of womb massage. And then in the jaw, in the mouth and all around the face, these are Two of the most common places that you can go get a full body massage and will never be hmm. tapped into. Yet these are yeah. often the places that hold some of the most stress, tension, trauma. That and also part of the, the womb work and women's work is breast massage as well. The breasts are like an outgrowth, the tissue that armors our heart, 
heart and the mm-hmm. womb being the places where deepest, especially feminine, but, but all uh, genders, if you will, but especially women hold a lot of their emotions and trauma and the heart and womb. And so the breast tissues, an amazing place, especially to educate women on how to do self breast massage. That's like a preventative medicine for things like breast cancer. When you're that in tune with your tissues, you know what it feels like and you're in a consistent relationship. Should a node or nodule come up, you would notice if something is different in your tissues versus waiting years or however long to get a mammogram and be told something's going on just to be in tune with those tissues and therefore with your heart and also the physical nature of what is normal to those tissues and what might be something to get checked out. Yeah. People can get very disconnected and just not just overlook it. Yeah. Or not care to look at it because they are waiting for that doctor's appointment next year. Oh, I'll figure it out then. Like, and just totally shut themselves off from it. Yeah. And that's, so that's what I love about the work I do, especially these types of manual therapy, not only for women to receive, but um, tell them to pay attention to what I'm doing because these are practices they can bring into their own world that again become not only consistent medicine treatment to keep the chi, the energy we work with in Chinese medicine, moving through the body. Stagnation in Chinese medicine is what they say is the root of all pathology of disease. (laughs) Things get stuck and stagnated. So you keep things moving on your own time, but you also just become so in touch and in tune with these tissues that you notice when something is off, when things are growing, creating lumps or stagnations or weird things that you're not used to feeling or pains. Not only can you help move that and start to heal it yourself, but you're just aware of it. And when, and that's how you can catch things earlier on before they, you know, manifest into something a lot more painful and intensive. How, how much do you know about the like origins of, of Chinese medicine? Um, I know a little bit cause we have to take history like, yeah. in our foundations and fundamentals class. So it is thousands, thousands of years old and uh, i'm not the greatest with names i've learned a lot of history in a lot of ways but uh, a lot of names don't stick with me unfortunately but it is thousands of years old yeah, i just it makes me think about you know anything about history or just the the way at least our current there's this thing i'm really obsessed with called prehistory you know where it's like oh it goes back more than 5500 years or 8500 but when you look at the way the world has been shaped, we'll just say over the last, we'll say 3,000 years or 2,500 years, and the groups of people that once upon a time, like the Mongols transferring, you know, education information all across this vast empire because they would, you know, get in a battle with someone, take their smartest, best folks for medicine, for technology, whatever that was, and and share it. Um, it feels like the foundation for Chinese medicine probably at some point had a a really strong collection of things from, you know, a good portion of the world culture. Yeah. And again, the history we learn is just what's written, Uh written history. And the (laughs) written history alone goes back thousands of years. But I truly believe Earth's history is a lot older, way older. I'm talking millions and billions figures I can't even really speak to, but it's actually a lot older than the written history we our brain's reference. But yeah, I mean, I, because another system of medicine I've I've worked a bit with is like plant spirit medicine and Amazonian medicine, mostly in terms of, of ayahuasca and from travels and journeys there and stories 
in those places, you know, people speak of also in ancient times, like, you know how sometimes in science or whatever, someone will be credited with coming up with an idea, but it seems like at the same time in the world, mm. someone on the other side of the world seemed to have the same idea and just who gets the credit, who gets the written history. But so same thing, there's stories of how acupuncture was also discovered in really ancient times, these meridians in the body of a different name, but these same pathways were discovered in Amazonian tribes in ancient times. And they worked with it, maybe not necessarily with needles, but they worked with those channels and energy with their own kind of plant and, and spirit medicine practices also in ancient times. So who knows when it really came about, where it really came about, but there are cultures all over the world from, from ancient times that came into an awareness of these meridians and the way energy flows through the body connects the organs and can be utilized for the body's mind, spirit's healing. There, I was recently reading like the, uh, they had some new discovery, like Pythagorean, was it Pythagorean? What do you, how do you say the guy's name? But, uh, Pythagorean, I don't know what, yeah. The his, Pythagorean his theory, but I think it's Pythagorean. I'll just say the P theory. Yeah. P theory. <laughs> <laughs> P man theory. But he, you know, now they've discovered, even though he got credit for it, that other people before him and in other cultures were using the same, they understood the same exact thing. Just like who wrote it down and yeah. it got, and yeah. rippled the well, influence. And I was trying to, you made me think of this idea. I haven't heard the phrase in a while, but like tapped in or tuned in. And I was explaining to my nephew or in the best way I could yesterday, he's working on a, a book project and it's kind of evolving into a few different things like manga and he wants to do a show out of it. And uh, he was sharing ideas with people and things like that. And it's, learning how to, to trust your intuition and who to share with and, you know, sometimes to share with somebody and other people can uh, either be down your idea. Sometimes there's healthy skepticism. They can steal your idea. There's all these different layers to when you're working on something, the safety net of, of sharing it. Um, and some people are just bold and go, I don't care. I'll tell everybody because nobody else will do it how I'll do it anyways, right? So there's just like all these different facets to that. And I was explaining to him, one of my favorite words is the ether, you know, the mm. sort of like idea of the source energy or there's even the fifth element. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a book, the gosh, what book is that? Think and grow rich, which people of all different walks of life, whether you're a, you know, hardcore extreme political ideology this way or that way, there's a, people are attracted to this book. Like it resonates with everyone. And he often talks about the ether. And so as you were saying this, it made me think, you know, when you're kind of uh, tuned into certain things and you're maybe you get an idea or you start working on something, almost feel like you contribute it to this like river of ideas flowing around the, the ether. you know, the culture, the ether. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, you get a certain amount. I think sometimes you get a certain amount of time to produce an idea, have it come to life and maybe the the first in that time zone to get it there but then it's out once it's there and it's like floating around like anybody can grab it and run with it and just give, feed it give it more energy i think the person's personality and experience you know that'll make it unique regardless but people's receptivity to yeah, that person's timing. energy delivery yeah, timing yeah. so i i do feel like there's something into that which seems you know way far-fetched or out there but uh i don't know it's it's made sense to me so if you have an idea Go feed it and run with it 
before you donate it to someone else. Yeah, before someone else finds that idea, pulls it out of the ethers, out of cosmic consciousness, whatever you want to call it. I'm and giving away they, a ton of ideas, too. <laughs> like, I'm just like, hey, I'm never going to work on this, but it seems like you'd be interested, and it's like, you know, million-dollar idea. Go for it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm a, I don't know if you know much about human design. I'm pretty into astrology and human design, but I'm a generator. And so kind of if you understand, even just that, even if you don't know anything about human design, with the essence of that word, I generate. I'm full of mm-hmm. ideas. I'm full of energy. I do so many things. I'm constantly creating and and giving. So yeah, I feel like I have so many ideas that it will just come out in deep conversations and people I come across that are not, not very ideas I'm going to get to because I have so many things I'm, as we've talked about, working on doing with my time. But anything else, else creative spark that comes out of those conversations that are other people's to run with, I'm happy to generate that and inspire that and see where they take it if it's more aligned spark for their journey you you uh earlier you mentioned like movement's very cathartic for you and i i I find that very true for myself it's why i just like my one of my biggest challenges is creating rest and recovery time because my mind and my energy will go far further than my body will ever be able to match you know fully in your yang trying to call in some yin (laughs) i love it yeah but i just i like doing stuff you know um but i remember being at essential medicine and seeing the sticks in the corner and i think i asked like right away when i saw them like okay those look weird you know what are those for yeah and one of the the guests i had gosh it must have been 2020 2021 uh peter peter cummings cummings there we go that guy is amazing he is he's my mentor's mentor why the sticks are sitting there in our clinic yeah so i i just in i mean i don't know connecting the dots it was so you know sort of out there because you can use kind of anything for his modality uh, and you know, he does the, uh, reparenting, but when we, yeah, the adult detachment repair method. Yeah. And when we sat down afterwards, one of the things he, he mentioned, he said, you know, this, like sitting across from someone, having a conversation, asking questions, thinking back and forth. He said, this is like a, he's like, this was really cathartic. Like I've, I've actually haven't thought about some of these things. And as you're talking about holding space for people and, you know, helping them heal it, it, there is a sense of with technology and entertainment and distraction where it is just really beneficial whether people realize it or not, you know, to have a space where you can sit down, talk to people, share ideas, feel comfortable. Maybe it's not even some people aren't comfortable, but they'll get there uh, to just work through that. And it's, yeah, it's important. And that's where the magic of the way we practice medicine at essential medicine really comes from. <laughs> so much medicine in this conversation um but we work on the terms of slow medicine every session we do whether it's my acupuncture whether it's a session in the hyperbaric oxygen chamber therapy whether it's an infrared sauna session in our oasis in the back or pelvic steam ceremony or somatic face sculpting or the new therapies we have coming in pelvic floor therapy and and other exciting stuff none of all the sessions are like pretty much minimum 90 minutes which say you go to a Western doctor or the kind of modern medicine practitioner, maybe you're there at the clinic for 90 minutes, but how much of that time is actually interfacing with your practitioner, actually having deep conversations, actually them looking you in the eyes and scanning your body and your energy and asking deep questions. I mean, if they even look you in the eyes these days, right? A lot of the times they're just scared, staring at your chart, staring at the screen, not much physical examination or therapy actually going on. 
But so the magic in what we do comes from the time we take with every single patient. And and uh, the other therapy, which my mentor is mentored by your guest, uh, Peter Cummings, is that adult attachment repair method, which my own mentor has kind of coined the way he's taken that work is connection somatics. It's about mm. connecting with people, having these deep conversations. The first half is like a talk therapy that stirs up what's, what you're processing in the emotional body. But then the second half is a somatic therapy where you, you hold these sticks connecting practitioner to patient. And that's how space is held. And you let them dive into their body. That's the somatic part. Soma means body. So how you bring them into their body after you've just stirred everything up in the mind and the emotions, and then they travel into their body and find where these different emotional traumas have been stored, in what organs, in what places, what kind of sensation have they been stored as, and usually manifesting as some kind of pain or discomfort or, or disease in in the body physically you find those places and you find the sensation they've been stored as and that is how you're able to metabolize it digest it actually genuinely release it so it stops creating this cycle of, of pain and suffering in the body so that's the work he does i've received from him a bit and even though he moved to maui recently unfortunately right before the, the wildfires um but He's definitely meant to be there. He's a lot of deep healing work to do on that island now, and he's still able to facilitate these sessions for anyone in the world, even in virtually. He gives these patients a stick that they connect with themselves and can guide them virtually, but this is the deep healing work he's doing now, and so we work together. We have a lot of patients that will come in and see me for acupuncture, and it synergizes deeply with doing the connection somatics work with him, and it creates some of the, as someone who's received it, can speak to it, some of the deepest true physical and emotional genuine healing in the body. Most of my Western medicine experiences were, were pretty actually, you know, great most of my life until the last few years. Like, but they were things like I broke a bone. Yeah. And they, these are like the cases where that I needed work is a, needed. A yeah. wisdom tooth pulled out, you know, or something like very basic stuff. And it was, you know, it was great, fun, you know, Good. made joke out of it, but I, Good. it hasn't been the case the last few years, like working on more complex items, you know, where I, I realize kind of two things, the time thing you mentioned where some practitioners, like it's just, they've got to hit a certain number of patients. So they're, you say one thing and then they give you 20 assumptions, which I love that book. It made me think of that book, The Four Agreements, like Never Assume. Yeah. My first book on my spiritual journey many oh, years ago. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. So uh, time and assumptions. And if you assume and you don't have all the data, you can assume wrong, which leads to you just kind of coming back in and cycling through or going down the wrong path or making mistakes, all kinds of things. How do you manage the process when you're working with people of, uh, I guess, uh, obviously the time thing helps if you're talking 90 minute sessions, but how do you not project your own assumptions and, but also distinguish between because some people are so disconnected, they're trying to describe something, but their reality or what they feel is accurate could be way off. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that to make sure the, you know, the feedback you're giving, the guidance, those things are a good reality in the right direction? Yeah, I think active listening is the biggest <laughs> part of it because even if someone's disconnected and they don't, 
really know or understand how to express what's going on, that's still their truth. Whatever they are saying is still the truth of their reality and how their reality is woven. So I just, I tend to honor that, whatever that version of their truth is with a lot of active listening. And then there's the 10 questions, as we call it in Chinese medicine. It winds up being a lot more than 10 questions, but it's kind of these 10 subcategories of questions we ask from. So that first appointment is actually longer. If you come see me for acupuncture, it's actually two hours long. And then usually at least half of that, at least an hour. And just depending what people are working on, sometimes more than that is just conversation time, deep connective time where we can build rapport and trust in the patient practitioner relationship. And I can do a lot of active listening, but also engaging questions that make people think. So some people, I will go through these 10 questions and it takes a very long time because they have, and they'll just get a super short treatment that first time, but it's, they'll have an awareness. They'll have a lot of things to say as I ask these many questions that assess every aspect of your lifestyle. First, we may talk about maybe the physical pain that brought you in the whole story there, how far that dates back, how long this has been going on in the body. But then I will ask all these other questions. I will literally be asking you about your your movement, lifestyle, and regimen, your diet and nutrition in your gut, your eliminations, you know, urination and bowel movements, your emotional state, what's going on emotionally right now, and however far back you want to talk about your spiritual journey, even what's your relationship to spirit and energetics and what else? Sleep. Sleep's a big topic and dreams (laughs) that is often dysregulated in people's lives. And all of these not only allow the person to think deeply on all these aspects of their reality. And sometimes the conversations are shorter in that first treatment and people get a longer treatment because they don't really know how to answer. They haven't really thought about it. They haven't Mm -hmm. really paid attention to all these things. But then just by me asking those questions and then them committing to a treatment plan and coming back to see me, now they start looking at all those factors in their life so they can come back next time and give me deeper insight into what's going on, things they weren't paying attention to before. Now they are. They can give me that feedback. We can go deeper and I can my treatments will shift over time as people have new answers. And again, things will start to change as they receive treatment for the most part or pretty much always for the better. Things will get more regulated, but then things happen in people's lives, some traumatic incident, some something that will shift, you know, something that was maybe fine before becomes kind of pathological and that will shift how we're treating what we're now working on because often whatever brought you to my table, I will help guide your body to, to heal that over time. But then people keep coming to see me because life just keeps happening. Emotional things happen, physical injuries happen, and now we can shift treatment and focus on what's present for you right now. So again, people's truths are are what they are, and that's what's woven the reality. So I'm just here to actively listen and understand where they're at and where they're coming from and ask the questions that give them more reflection and insight into what to pay attention to in their lives. What's, what's wild, too, is when you start realizing or, and I love that you right away were like active listening. That is so hard for people to do if they have a lot going on in their head. Like you actually have to be fully, it's a focused activity. Uh, A lot of things you do are are highly focused. I imagine it seems like you have a very, uh, a strong attraction to things that require intense, intensive focus, focus, which is a a beautiful and amazing skill. uh, Cause you literally have to be there. Um, but you start realizing that some of these things that people have pathologically in their, in their thinking or beliefs aren't even things that they 
came up with, for example, and this is a, a weak, silly, goofy example, but someone's like, oh, I don't like onions. And it's like their mom told them they don't like onions when they were younger or something. Oh, you don't like onions. And now they just believed it. And then they're like, well, I actually haven't had onions in 20 years. And then they try it. And they're like, oh, these are really good. You know, it was like someone else's projected belief. And there's, it goes way deeper than onions on that. That's a very silly kind of like yeah. surface example. But, uh, you know, starting to unwind those is, is really powerful. And that, you know, when you talk about dreams too, that hyperbaric chamber, the first few times I jumped in there, my sleep was wild in terms of like a few days after. I'm like, why did I just sleep randomly for three hours one evening? Right. And it was, but I was having these crazy dreams and, and dreaming has actually resurfaced where for a while I wasn't having a lot of dreams. Like every once in a while I would. And now it's very consistent. I am uh, having fun dreams and just interesting dreams. I'm like, whoa. And that just, yeah, resurfaced out of... Uh, out of hyperbaric time. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so dreams are one of my favorite things to talk about with patients. Sleep in general. How are you sleeping? Because think about how many hours of your life you spend hopefully <laughs> asleep and again potentially dreaming so people that have terrible sleep that's going to spill into your waking world right like that's when the body should be deepest in the parasympathetic nervous system the rest and digest that's your recovery time that's your processing of everything that happened injuries intensive emotional things hard work and stress like that's when your body gets to relax rejuvenate recharge refresh and so if you have disrupted sleep, you're not getting enough hours, you can't get into deep sleep, you have maybe terrible like nightmares or, or really disruptive dreams, you're not getting into that deep parasympathetic, you're not recharging, resting and digesting, and then you wake up and that just spills into your waking world, you're tired, you're drained, you don't have optimal energy and focus for the waking time. And then that creates all kinds of other physical pathologies and disruptions throughout the day. And then just kind of vicious cycles into further disrupting your sleep, which further disrupts your waking world. And it really ripples poorly into people's lives when sleep is that kind of disrupted. They start chugging energy drinks and yeah. gas station elixirs or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, that's just, it is, can be this terrible. Like, I'm tired. So I need more of this. And then it's like, no, you just eat better, sleep better, you better move sleep. More, yeah. And then, and with the dreams, um, it's really cool. Cause in Chinese medicine, we get a deep understanding of kind of symbols, symbology that's happening in your dreams, especially with the elements. So I'm a big time, there's a, an official system called five element. I don't practice that official system, but I have a deep understanding of the five elements that weave Chinese medicine. And it's different than the, the fifth element, the five elements we were referencing earlier. A lot of other cultures and systems will be like earth, air, fire, water, and ether. Um, but in Chinese medicine, the five elements are water, uh, wood, fire, earth, and metal. Hmm. And, there, each of those elements is tied to a couple different organs in your body, as well as very specific emotions. And you can assess what organ 
and emotion is disrupted and in need of some either tonification nourishment or perhaps sedation, like toning it down energy-wise in the body, based on the symbols that are playing out in people's dreams. We literally kind of learn this. And so that's why I always ask people about their dreams. Things like if there's like bloody violence going on in their dreams, that's talking about lung channel and there's grief and other emotions involved. Or if there is a lot of water element going on in your dreams, like you're out on a ship at the high seas or... By a waterfall or like kind of water images going on. We're now talking kidney and urinary bladder channels. Maybe there's a lot of fear and fright needing to be processed. There's a lot of fire in your dreams, things burning down or whatever. There could be an imbalance in the heart channel and stopping you from reaching optimal states of joy when that's out of balance, heart channel. So things like this. That's why I love to ask people about their dreams because dream time is when the subconscious, you're able to access subconscious and start to process things that have been stored there even reaching back to deep emotional traumas and if you believe in it we can even go further back than this lifetime you may not even just be processing all the way back to childhood trauma you could be going further back tapping into ancestral traumas and kind of working with with your lineage and things that get carried kind of womb to tomb and down the the line um yeah all these things you have the potential to access in, in your dream time, as if you, the subconscious is allowed to speak in this way. And um, yeah, well, that's why I love talking about dreams I've and never, sleep. I've never even thought of having like a violent, bloody dream. Like it made me think about, well, I mean, my dreams, I mean, that's my experience or my dreams, but I've, you know, and hearing other people's dreams, but I've never heard someone describe a dream like that vividly or the detail that I sort of got as you were saying that. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Because some people think in a very specific way in terms of images and and pictures too. So I guess you could get pretty, my dreams have not been that, they're not that cool. I don't think And those dreams I have had, the only one I really remember where it was a consistent pattern of dreams for any period of time were these tsunami dreams I was having for a while. Big time water element. We're talking kidney and urinary bladder channel now. Yeah. Well, this was, and this was a few years ago, but it was, I always related it more to, it was interesting because I remember it was like over the course of a couple of weeks and it was the first tsunami dream was I didn't get away, right? Like it just crashed and, you know, took everything out. Second one was, okay, I've been here before, you know, like see it coming a little more prepared, a little better to get away. Uh, and then it was like the third or fourth one or whatever. It was like, there was no worry or fear or emotion tied to it. Like, the SUV was packed up, everything was ready to go, saw it coming and like trying to help others get out of the way. But it was like the first one was like, oh crap. And the second one a little less, third one. So yeah, it's interesting. So you're literally watching in, in real time a balance coming into your kidney and urinary bladder channels where there may have been some kind of imbalance because hmm. again, the emotions tied to those are fear and fright. And the hmm. symbology is water elements. So you see this big water element imagery the biggest kind there is is tsunami Mm -hmm. and brought feelings of fear and fright and naturally whatever you're doing in your life a balance was coming to your kidney and urinary bladder channels where you could see these water element symbologies but you're moving away from the emotions that come with it when out of balance the fear and fright to this preparedness and safety and being settled with that big water element situation, whatever you were doing in your life was just naturally balancing your kidney and urinary bladder channels into uh, this more receptive and safe and prepared state with such big water element energy. Mm. 
I feel like I've uh, I've lived many lifetimes in this lifetime already, but I, I worked at a bank for a small period of time at one point where I was like trying to be a quote unquote normal person. And I'm like, <laughs> normal people work at banks. Uh, and there was this lady that came in and her name was Stephanie Duran. And she had a, a radio show called The Dreamweaver. And this was in Northern California. So we talked a little bit about dream interpretation, but her whole career for like 30 plus years and, and life and everything would people would call in and shared their dreams and she would interpret it. And that kind of opened my eyes up to that a, a while ago. You, you mentioned past lives too. Uh, I was just talking to someone and they recommended a book. We were talking about something and I shared these images that I've had where I will, you know, talk, this actually ties into the meaning of names too. Like Derek means ruler of the people, middle name, uh, Michael, like archangel, very protective last name goes back to Druid, you know, people that sat in seats of power over clans of wildlings basically in the forest, <laughs> but, uh, favorite kind of people. There you go. <laughs> uh, but I had these like images for a while that I was trying to get clear on where they'd, they'd be kind of vague and, uh, but they were from a, an era or a place that seemed like Egyptian times. Right. Mm -hmm. And I go back and forth on this because our minds are pretty powerful. And, and I realized later on, I was like digging into it. But then I also, uh, there's this movie called like Stargate SG one from like the eighties or nineties. And I've had some other like images in my mind where I was really confused. I'm like, wait a second. Cause I went back and watched this movie the first time since I was a kid. And I realized I'd watched that movie when I was like eight or nine years old or something. And I'd kind of forgotten about it. And then these images were like very clearly similar to the movie. So it's like, what came first? This like image or the movie? Is this like confusion? So have you, have you spent a lot of time working on past life stuff? Um, yeah, I'd say a good amount of time. I don't, time is an interesting notion <laughs> to mm -hmm. me in general. A man made concept to keep us on a, a timeline with each other, right? So we can show up to work on time and meet at these arranged times, but I think everyone has such a unique mm -hmm. and individual experience of time, how that actually stretches and bends and creates their reality. So I don't know how much quantifiable time I'd say I've spent on it, especially in proportion to all the other things I'm doing, but definitely spent my own deep inner, inner personal and reflective time and meditative spiritual time with, with past life regressions, what my past lives have been and sitting with ancestors and spirits of, um, especially up the matriarchal line, the red thread of the, the wombs that have brought me as the current fruition of my own lineage into this world. Yeah. I could say I've spent some time sitting with all that. I think time is just a, a name we've given to understand you know, this particular experience mm -hmm. because otherwise you wouldn't have a beginning, middle and end and, and humans feel like they need these definite answers to those things. And so it's like, let's just throw this symbol of time on there. Uh, yeah. Time makes chronology possible, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. In order to a story or, but I definitely think time, at least in my own personal experience of it works in spirals, like past time, future time, present, it's all existing and just be active listening and all the medicine works I do, everything I do in this life does bring a lot of attention to the present moment and a focus on time in that way. And of course, having schedules of patients and coaches and things to show up for 
makes me have to exist on that linear plane of time, yet it's all so important, recent and deep pasts, this lifetime and previous, and all the, the future things that are being woven, they're all kind of spiraling together. But to kind of tell this chronological story and show up for everything on time, it brings you back to the present. Speaking of time, what two, time is two it? questions. <laughs> How are you doing on time? Let's and uh, yeah, it's 11.35. 11.30? I've still got a little... Still got a little time. Is there anything that we have not covered that you want to just open up a can on? Oh, man. Let me think. I feel like we've touched on so much. want to ask. Sometimes it's just whenever it's done, it's done. You're always welcome back. We can keep going. So yeah. there's no, I don't have like a right or wrong way to do it. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely want to thank you for letting me take over your kitchen this morning and impressive. make this ritual cup of matcha with turmeric and chaga um (laughs) how do people get started if they want to live healthier happier just better have more energy like what's you know if you're sitting down from someone and they're like oh my gosh you just seem like you have it all together and you you know xyz so amazing i'm way over here because people love to compare themselves right Mm -hmm. what would be the like pop things you would tell someone like here's start here yeah so i definitely i practice what i preach as far as all the medicines i work with so i would definitely recommend the things i already do for myself and am able to facilitate probably number one my number one passion is acupuncture such a holistic mind body and spirit medicine and i think can help it's not the medicine for everyone that that is for sure but it is a medicine for a lot of people and there are a lot of people who haven't even had exposure or the fear of the needles will stop them from ever showing up but i'm here to say those needles are they're hair thin they're not painful if done right and i think that's one of the best kind of bang for your buck if you will across the board medicines people can try to start to really heal any kind of physical pain and tension and then start tapping deeper into emotional healing and spiritual healing and balancing of energies, alignment of the body. So acupuncture is one thing. Um, probably second thing uh, is movement. I recommend people get out there and move. Again, like I said, the core of Chinese medicine is the phrase that stagnation is the root of all disease, all pathology all evil in the body, if you will. So get out there and move, find a therapeutic movement for you. You know, for me, it's dance and all these extreme arts, contortion, archery, hand balance, fire. It doesn't have to be that extreme, but just go move your body, go walk out and connect with the elements, the earth under your feet, love earthing, love barefoot, walking around, charging up from the earth, go get out in the sun, go hug a tree or just look at the plants in your neighborhood (laughs) and um, so yeah, connecting with movement, that's probably number two. The next thing to connect to is the elements. Like I spoke to the Chinese medicine has its own five element system. A lot of other cultures have that other slightly different elemental system, but there's so much medicine in the elements. Just stare at a candle or a bonfire for a while. See what the flames have to teach you. Go stare at the ocean or the nearest body of water, a lake, a river, a stream. So much to be learned there. Go lay down on the ground and watch the trees, the leaves rustling in the wind. Go source out a crystal you feel connected to. Hang on to it. Walk around with it. Sit with it in an intentional way. So definitely elemental connection. Um, Probably next would be sound. I really love 
sound. Sound came into my journey primarily through the womb work I've done. My womb mentor really taught me the power of sound, especially for, for women, but for anyone, but especially in women, there's a throat womb connection. Your throat, um, your, your actual larynx and your uterus are, are one organ when you're born and they split apart and they have very mirrored structures and they are composed of the same diaphragmatic muscle tissue that are controlled by your respiration, by your breathing. So, and, and by the way, you vibrate your vocal cords and make sound, sing, express. And so there's a lot of healing to be done there, especially if there's been any kind of silence or oppression of your voice at different times, different relationships. So working with sound, whether it's just going, speaking your truth, writing out your truth, things that have been silenced or unexpressed. And then if you feel comfortable actually singing, going vibrating your <laughs> your throat, your vocal cords, and rippling that energy both inward. And if you're a woman, focusing on rippling it down into the womb, that healing energy, or into any gender, into whatever organs in your body feel need that medicine, and then rippling it out, letting your sound be heard, going, utilizing it to connect with other beings or animals or again, elements that they can receive the medicine of your sound too. And then maybe last thing on recommendations, mm, uh, working with, with the things we put into our body, the fuels, the, the fluids, the foods, the herbal medicines, really focusing on how we're sourcing those and how that's fueling our lives. You, everything you put in is going to determine and ascertain the energy we get out. So if all you're putting into your body is fast food, you know, not real food, plastic implants, and these are the things fueling our lives, that's the energy you're going to get out. You're going to get out pain. You're going to get out suffering. You're going to get out disease. So really getting intentional about how we're sourcing what we're putting into our body, all these things that fuel us, like clean water and organic healthy food that's the colors of the rainbow and feels really good we can tell it feels really good because of how our body digests it digestion eliminations and then again the energy it gives us to go about our day and do what we love so like yeah food medicine and herbal medicine are are super super potent and even though my education is largely in chinese medicine chinese herbs i know all about it i don't tend to work with it because as i was mentioning it can be hard to source really good Chinese herbs, and it's so far removed from where we are, especially if we're here in the United States, you're importing them from so far away, get further removed from the source. So I've actually shifted a lot into the more like local and bioregional herbs of organic or ethically wildcrafted natures. Again, I really speak to Midgarb, M-I-D-G-A-A-R-B, my herbal witch, and that this is how she creates her, her potions, her tinctures, her herbal liniments by the cycles of the moon from her local Pacific Northwest forests and her own organic garden, that's that's real medicine in the body, and the body receives it well. So I guess those would be the things I would tell people to focus on if they feel like I'm someone that's got the answers or my energy is something they want to shift their own healing journey, journey toward. You were... Just really on for that. <laughs> oh, I guess one other one other thing to focus on is yeah. is love and like healing the connections with the people hmm. in your lives. You know, I have a really amazing, incredible 
loving partnership, my life partner, uh, John McCarley, and and so many deep friendships and so much deep healing work that's been done within my own family. I had a very tumultuous, volatile relationship with both my parents growing up because they were people who never meant to really be together, but they stuck it out for a long time for me. It wasn't until they finally separated when I was 18 that I could heal those ind- relationships individually. And now like they're two of my closest friends. I treat my dad with acupuncture every week, talk about some back generational healing and to my mom whenever she comes to town, but she lives in the Philippines. So we like travel the world to see each other. But yeah, like focusing on those connections in your life, especially ones that are strained or have a lot of trauma. And even if you're not actually meant to directly heal with that person to heal your own like feelings and, and suffering you hold in your body is related to these connections and these closest relationships. I think that's really focal point. You, you mentioned earlier too, just uh, sometimes talking about things with people with your patients or whoever they, they hadn't thought of them or they hadn't been aware of them. Oh, if you want one of these, I'll give you one. But uh, I've made a journal and it has these different areas of, of life inside of it. And it's a real simple, you know, you spend a couple minutes on it, but I, I feel like one of the things and, and probably a, a big reason that I made it is because it was something I learned to do, you know, years back and it's evolved over time like most things do. But just that little act of reflection or answering a question or thinking about something plants a tiny seed, you know, and then it yeah. can grow and uh, you have these areas of life that you need to give energy to you know you've talked about sound and what you put in your body and and the more you can in a healthy way give the proper amount of attention energy fuel to all these areas of life the more i really believe whole someone will feel the happier they will be the better their emotional management like all of these things become more dialed in Uh, these are the ways you're watering your garden mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and allowing so, it to bloom or or wither and, and die lot, depends on the season of your life, really. But there's a lot of moving parts and components, you know. And sometimes it's more simple in one area than other. Maybe someone really has their finances dialed in, but their physical health is a mess, or mm-hmm. vice versa, right? So bringing those things together uh, helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And to speak to writing, I, I used to journal a lot, and I'll definitely take you up on. One of these journals is something I've been wanting to do a little more, but I think one of my my really healing relationships with writing and it's brought a lot of depth to my own relationship is I love to write poetry mm. and just the kind of deep lover I am. Don't know how much you know about astrology, but I'm a Pisces, sun and moon, deep water, all about just love and creativity and intuition and going to the depths. And so I found poetry is a great outlet for creative expression and my writing. And again, something that's really flowed into my relationship because my partner, um, he's a pararescue medic, uh, kind of the most intensive rescue work you can do in this world, trained to rescue search and rescue missions from any earth environment, works in the air a lot on helicopters and and planes. And um, so he's gone at least half the time he's working abroad doing this kind of work. And so that's been a really fun form of communication and connection for us that we have this book. It's almost my version of the notebook, Mm. if you will, this leather bound book with pages that look like old scrolls. And I, um, I have it like he brings it home 
when he comes back from a contract and gives it to me and I keep it with me. And then when he leaves and I have a lot of time to think about him, our relationship has happened in a lot of chapters, right? We come together for a season of life, usually like three months at a time, then we're apart for three months at a time. So there's all these kind of definitive chapters to our relationship and I get to go back and reflect and I'll write about one given chapter in in poetic form, right? These long long poems, uh, kind of writing the chapters of our love story. And then about halfway through his contract or whatever it is, I send it to him. I mail it overseas with like a care package and some intentional gifts and teas and things. And he gets to read them for that second half while he's away. And then he, like I said, brings it home to me the next time and I can pick up where I left off and I'm really writing the whole story of our love in this reflective, poetic way that will help us remember it and be deeply and then sometimes when he's home i'll read it to him like bedtime stories uh, and so that's like a really amazing way of writing has deepened our connection and been a creative outlet for me that's really special yeah we uh i think love might be a great place to to leave it unless you have any final I could sing you a song. You want to sing a song? I could sing a song to close one I Mm. sing to a lot of my patients or in the womb healing, acu-alchemy womb healing circles I do or just doing the kind of work I do. I'd love to leave it with a song. That'll be the first. We'll have the first cinnamon roll break ever (laughs) on the podcast and the first song. Go for it. Okay. Let me take a sip of this water. Sure. La 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 la. <laughs> you want me singing, so this is better for everyone that it's you. Okay. This is a song called Holding Space by Mayada, an amazing artist. And yeah, it's just what I'm learning to do. Space is for the silence. And the things I need to say Places for the victories And the pockets of pain For the revelations And what questions remain I'm learning to breathe and hold the space Oh, space is for the silent And the things you need to say Places for the victories And the pockets of pain For the revelations And what questions remain You're learning to breathe and hold the space Oh yes, you're learning to breathe and hold the
That was amazing. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. We're good. I think we're good. That was an an amazing way to close this off. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. It absolutely has. I'm sure I'll see you back at Essential Medicine. Yes. In the space pod soon. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, you want to put out uh, any kind of a plug for yeah. social media or yeah, contact? Yeah, yeah. Um, our website is an incredible way to learn more about what we do at our clinic, www.essentialmedi.com. We also have an Instagram, uh, essential.medicine. That's all clinical stuff if you're interested in all this holistic biohacking and my womb work. Um if you're interested in any of the movement arts I do to follow that journey and my travels and performances, that is would be on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Jules, J-O-O-L-S dot ignited. And um, there's, I'll, I have another Instagram uh, more for, for women. It's the dot womb dot witch. And yeah, I think those are all the best ways to f- find out more. And if you want to call or text our clinic directly, my my direct line that way for anything medicine, the number is 858-900-3525. Well, thank you again. That was really special. It's been a ton of fun. We covered so many different so things. So many topics, the full spectrum. That's awesome. So I like a, my experiences. Yeah, you have a, a lot of depth and uh, great things happening. So keep it up. Thank you. Thank you so much. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It, it, it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Dedic Podcast. 